God has such great timing sometimes. Uh, on my way in this morning, it was uh, before 7 o'clock. Uh, we had had about four inches of snow already in Prior Lake, and they had not touched the roads at all. And uh, I headed out into that in the dark um, with the snow just coming down heavily. And I'm driving along and in a time when I should have just been white-knuckling it, although Canadians don't do that in snowstorms. We're just at home, right? Um, that song came on uh, the radio as I was listening on my way in. And, and I'm singing away. I got tears in my eyes and I forgot all about the fact that my life is in danger and I'm <laughs> driving through these crazy conditions. So, so it, was a, it was great timing for that. And I just, I have no idea what happened during the time this song was on, but it was, uh, it was great timing. I just love how God does that sometimes. Um, before we get into the word this morning and the message that God has laid on my heart, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, about a specific ministry that we're involved in, and the ministry is Haiti Teen Challenge. And I'm going to have Kim Clam come up here and, and talk with me for a little bit, and we're going to talk about Haiti Teen Challenge. I'm going to explain a little bit about what they do in case this is new to you, um, but Haiti Teen Challenge is a ministry that started several years back, and, and I was a part of it from the beginning in terms of meeting with a group of people that became the board for Haiti Teen Challenge, primarily out of Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge, um, a group of people that came together with a burden for Haiti, and um, we're asking the question question, what can we do? How can we do what's happening here in Haiti? What would that look like? And um, what developed was something absolutely phenomenal. It was the, the same kind of program, um, not always specifically related to addiction, but a life transformation program um, that opened up for young men in Haiti. And um, they began to minister down there, and since then, the ministry has absolutely exploded to where there's a, a men's ministry going on, and women as well now, and life after life after life are being transformed by God in a place where transformation is nearly impossible. And you think about Haiti's history, and the fact that they are so close to our country and the fact that there are over 2,500 different organizations working in Haiti and you ask, well, why is that? How can Haiti be in this bad a shape for so long to this point with all of that help and, and really what was missing is an approach that addressed all aspects of life that looked um, deep into someone's spiritual life and presented the gospel in such a way that the power of God came in, comes in on a daily basis there and works in the lives of these individuals, these men and women, and changes things completely for them. It's a long-term residency program and um, lives are being turned around and those lives are going back into the communities that they come from and, and they are impacting all the people in their community. They're, they're transforming churches through all that they've learned, the leadership that they bring. It is an absolutely remarkable thing to watch and it is being um, run and maintained by Haitians. And there is a board here that supports and, and provides administrative and fundraising and those kinds of things. Um, but when you get down there, uh, you see that, that this is a Haitian-owned and operated ministry. And they are doing tremendous work down there. God's doing incredible things through that ministry, through the church that has developed as a result of that ministry. It is remarkable to see what's going on. 
And uh, we have had some participation with them in the past. Um, We've had people speak here from Haiti Teen Challenge, and we will have that again in the future. Um, We have gone down there. We've sent people down to Haiti Teen Challenge who uh, have been kind of rocked by what they experienced down there. It was not to go and do something or give something. It was to go and meet young people down there and get to know them and, and build relationships with them and become a part of the transformation process that God's carrying out in their lives. It's been absolutely remarkable. And um, so I just wanted to get that back in front of you this morning. And so Kim, why don't you come now? And what I'm going to do is I've, I've asked Kim if she'll come um, and talk to you a little bit um, about her role now with Haiti Teen Challenge. This is Kim Clayham, our church administrator, my co-worker. And, um, and, and what she is now doing with Haiti Teen Challenge, she's going to talk a little bit about some opportunities that we have coming up and also about something that's in your bulletin. And so, Kim, why don't you go ahead and let us know about those things. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I first went down to Haiti Teen Challenge, which I think I've shared with you in the past from up here, but in 2011 and visited with them and was just to use your word, rocked. I mean, it was amazing what God is doing down there in, the live, in, in this ministry. Um, I recently went back in November and spent time with some of those students I met that first year, and God is changing what they're doing down there. What God is changing their lives down there. It's amazing. They're leaders in their community. They're leaders in their workplaces. They're leaders within the Haiti Teen Challenge ministry as well. Um, during this trip, um, some opportunities came up for me to join the team at Haiti Teen Challenge. And so I've come on board with them in a part-time basis to lead what they call their life trips. Life is um, learn, invest, fellowship, and encourage. Um, As you heard, Haiti Teen Challenge is not a missions trip organization. It's an organization that is changing the lives of the Haitians to hopefully in the future change the country. Um, But having us come down and be a part of what they're doing to get to know them, to help them learn skills that they don't necessarily have and maybe don't have the ability to learn is kind of the the opportunity and the um, mission of what these trips are, these life trips. So I have a... um, one of my first trips planned. The men have recently, I think it's been a year, but they moved into a new center, and it needs painting. So we're gonna go down and we're gonna do some painting, probably some handyman work. It's a Tuesday to Saturday trip coming up at the end of March. So if you're interested in that, I would love to have you join me. We're gonna have trips coming up all throughout this year to do different opportunities. There's, I wanna bring a trip down to work on marketing and promotion and videography, photography, things like that. Would love to have you join me. Um, If you're interested in the March trip, in a future trip, we are having a meeting next Sunday at 9 a.m. to just talk about it, get some information, no commitment, but March is coming up fast, so think about it. Um, Yeah, and I'd love to just have you join me and talk to you more about it. Great. Anything else? Uh, Talk about what's in the bulletin. In the bulletin is information about Haiti Teen Challenge. Yes, we have an insert in your bulletin today um, that tells you a little bit more about this ministry, gives you kind of a basic rundown of what it's about. Um, And there are also um, 
links on there and ways that you can get involved um, to learn more, to get on their newsletter, um, and ways to give. And this is one of the organizations that we support through our global outreach efforts as a church. And um, there are ways for you there to give towards our outreach fund um, so that we can better support what's happening in Haiti. And um, there, like Kim said, there's just tremendous things going on down there. And, and being able to encounter the lives of those young men and women and hear more about what God's done to change him is just tremendous. So thank you very much for sharing that with us. And um, I want to take just a moment right now to, to pray for this ministry and for what God's doing there. So will you join me in prayer? Uh, Father, you know um, my heart for the country of Haiti. Um, you know that there are many here who, who have a burden for that country as well. There are people who have been, there are people like Kim who have given time in their lives to, to serving in this ministry. And, um, and then uh, on the ground in Haiti, Lord, are um, leaders and teachers and mentors and pastors and fathers and mothers and, and, and a whole host of people who are listening to your voice right now. And, um, and Father, there's a, there's a church that's meeting there at, at this moment where the gospel is being preached and people are coming to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we praise you, God, for what you're doing there, for what you've done um, to bring Haiti Teen Challenge from, from nothing to what it is today that impacts hundreds and hundreds of people. And we look at the future and just know that you've got great things in store but Father, I lift up the fact that, that Haiti is in, a, in terrible turmoil right now um, and, and there, there is political unrest and the vast majority of the organizations, the missionaries working in Haiti have left um, because of that turmoil. Yet Haiti Teen Challenge is there, it's Haitians and they're not going anywhere and I praise you for the fact that even in the midst of the unrest, they're throwing block parties for their community and, and carrying on doing exactly what you've called them to do. So Father, I ask that you would just keep your hand of protection on Haiti Teen Challenge and that you would grow this ministry, continue to grow the impact that it has and continue to, to change lives from the inside out and through those lives change communities. And, and our prayer is a whole city, a whole nation that gets changed because you are changing people and you are doing this. And so we invite you into that and we invite you to, to show us our future as a church and how we can support this ministry and the people that are involved in it and how we can get involved ourselves, go down and experience this and, and pray, help us to remember to pray. We lift up Haiti Teen Challenge to you and ask for your blessing on it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, dig into it. Learn more about what's going on there and become a part of what God is doing there. All right, once again, during last week's Super Bowl broadcast, um, we were given some very clear inspiration in at least one of the commercials that we saw, and I didn't watch all of the commercials, but in at least one, um, there was a very strong message that came through, and the message was, believe in yourself, Believe in yourself. And over and over, this is the advice that we're getting regarding life and how we can succeed at life. You've heard me mention this phrase before, and, and I've typically blamed Disney for this, but it really goes far beyond the reach of Disney. 
I think this is one of the most influential phrases being spoken into our culture today. Believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. This expresses a view of life in this world that really defines our generation right now. This is what we're being told, and and honestly, it's driving me nuts. So I wanted to take it on this morning. I wanted to wrestle with it for a while, and I wanted to see what I would say in response to somebody who gives me this advice in person. Paul, you just need to believe in yourself. So I began where most things begin these days, um, on the internet. I googled believe in yourself. Um, Jack Canfield's name, of course, came up, and if that name doesn't mean anything to you, you would probably recognize his books, primarily Chicken Soup for the Soul. Um, He encourages us to believe in ourselves. And as I scrolled through a lot of other similar material that stated the same thing, I was stopped by a phrase that I keep hearing, especially from my kids. It's the phrase, life hack. I followed the term to lifehack.org, and I spent some time absorbing what they had to say. Lifehack has a list that we're going to work with this morning. They offer 10 ways to believe in yourself again when life gets rough. Here's what they have to offer, and I'm going to list the 10, but I'll, I'll be working through them one at a time. And so in your, insert, in your bulletin on the insert, there's also an outline there where you can list these things and then the responses that I'm going to give to these things. Um, but you don't have to copy down everything that I say in the next minute here. Um, I'm going to go through the list and then we'll go and break them down one at a time. Here's what they have to offer. This is from lifehack.org. Ways to believe in yourself again when life gets rough. Number one, accept your current situation. Number two, think about your past success. Number three, trust yourself. Number four, talk with yourself. Number five, don't let fear stop you. Number six, let yourself off the hook. Number seven, go with a positive attitude. Number eight, let a life coach help you. Number nine, keep moving forward and never look back. And number 10, let life move you. So this morning, we're going to hack life hack. This is the kind of advice and guidance that that is being offered to us and our culture. And so I want to look at what we're being offered. Because I've heard all of these things before, over and over again. And then I want to show you a different approach to life. An approach that God offers. So here's... Life hacks version of how to believe in ourselves, and I'll, I'll stop on each tip and I'll offer a response. And church, I want you to know that I'm doing this not necessarily because early this week I was feeling kind of cheeky, and so I took a shot at this. Um, I'm doing this because I love you, and, and I do not want to see any of you drawn into the advice that our culture gives us without first considering what God's kingdom offers us. I think it's important because I think this is really strong what this kind of advice is is doing to us, what's being offered to us. So life hack number one is this, accept your current situation. Now accepting my current situation seems to fall short for me. What I'm being asked is to accept the frailty and shortcoming of my life. I'm being asked to accept imperfection and vulnerability. I'm being asked to accept a perspective that only sees what this earthly life has to offer, good and bad. 
But we as followers of Jesus have something to hold that up against. We have eternity. We have redemption, perfection, the return of Jesus Christ. We have something coming that will outshine this life and its circumstances to the point where we put all of this into perspective. So no, I will not accept my current situation. I'll rise above it. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. I'm not going to deny or run from my current situation, but I will put it in perspective. I won't live my life according to my current situation. My situation is going to change. It's only temporal. So my life hack hack is this. Put your current situation in perspective. God's future, eternity, for you is brilliant. Your current situation does not define you. It may help shape you, but it doesn't define you. Second life hack that we're given is this. Think about your past success. Now, we've all done things that we're proud of, things that we would consider to be successes. But among those successes, what can we be truly proud of? Well, How about this in Colossians 3, verse 3? For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Put all of your accomplishments up against the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Does anything you've done compare to what Jesus did? Did you overcome death? Can you forgive sins? Have you ever walked on water even? No? So what have you done? And I'll just assume that it doesn't compare. So embrace the best thing that you ever did. You died. You died. You gave your life to Jesus. It's his. Your success is Jesus' success. And so your life hack hack is this. Never mind your past success. Think about your death. The third life hack that we're given for believing in ourselves is trust yourself. Um, This is an easy enough hack. Either we're convinced that we can trust ourselves or we're not. And we shouldn't be. Even Paul recognized this. Romans 7 verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. And remember that this was Paul writing. St. Paul, the spiritual giant that I've learned more from than anyone but Jesus. The person that God used to bring the gospel to the world on the heels of Jesus' visit. That Paul. He didn't trust himself. So what hope is there for me? (laughs) Why would I ever think that I can trust myself? Even though I often have the right desire in me, I'm certainly not always able to follow through on that desire. I do the wrong thing far too often in spite of my great plans, my great intentions, my great desires. I can't be trusted. And so this response is obvious. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust yourself. There's only one who can be trusted, and it's God's spirit in us 
And on we go to our next life hack, where it says talk with yourself. We're told that we create ourselves so we can self-talk ourselves into becoming anything. But do I really want the responsibility of creating myself? I have been created. God created me. Then he guides me in the way of talking to him, like in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. Paul writes, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God invites us to rejoice. There's always something to rejoice in, not always because we've done something. We can rejoice in those things for sure, but daily, minute by minute, we have the reality of who God is and what he's done to rejoice in. God commands us to pray without ceasing. Here's an area that we can always grow in. Talk to him about anything and everything. He's your father. Talk to him about whatever it is you're facing. He's greater than any of it, so why not bring it to him? Talk to him about your circumstances. Talk to him about someone else's circumstances. Talk to him about your family, your neighbors, your coworkers, your city, your state, your nation. Just talk to him. Why? Because he's the one who can affect any and every situation. We can't, but he can. God also commands us to give thanks in all circumstances, all, all of them, every circumstance, no matter how bad that situation might be. He's there, so we have a reason to give thanks. So don't talk to yourself. Talk to your creator. Speaking of our creator, he's right at the center of my response to our next life hack, which is don't let fear stop you. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 25 to 33. We've, we've been here recently, so just listen to this. Jesus said, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not, are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, how misled do we have to be to think that we can overcome anything that we're afraid of ourselves? Take the kinds of things that Jesus was talking about here. Sometimes I'm afraid of the future because I can't control it. I have two choices. My first choice is to not let that fear stop me from doing what I want and carry on without any real control over life. Or I can place my trust in the one who actually can control things and seek him first. And I love that Jesus addresses one of our biggest issues these days. Anxiety. He asks how being anxious can add even one day to a person's life, um, which is a rhetorical question, of course. It can't. 
In fact, I, I may lose a few days off my life by being anxious about things that I can't control. But there's our Father inviting us to trust him and his ability to provide and protect and carry our lives in his hands. He's got our back. He invites us to seek first his kingdom, not our circumstances and needs. His kingdom is fully equipped to meet our needs. He'll take care of our anxiety through his kingdom and everything else that we need. Next life hack. Let yourself off the hook. Romans 6.6 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him, with Jesus, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I love how Paul gives us such a sharp contrast to this life hack. I have never seen anywhere in the Bible words that give us permission to just downplay our sin and let ourselves off the hook. It's not there. But I also don't see anything that says we're to condemn ourselves for that sin. So this isn't just a matter of being too strict or too lenient with ourselves. Paul takes us in a completely different direction. This isn't a matter of working with ourselves at all. This is much more dramatic than that. Rather than let ourselves off the hook, so to speak, we're directed to put ourselves on the cross. Our old selves are being brought to nothing, not given a break. The most compassionate thing that we can do for ourselves is to crucify ourselves with Jesus Christ. New life awaits. A life that's powered by God's spirit, not simply by our own decisions and our own desires. Don't settle with your life. Take on his, take on Jesus' life. No life hack list would be complete without a statement about our attitude. That's the next one on our list. Go with a positive attitude. How many times have you heard that positivity is the key? Well, let's have Paul take us a little deeper in a letter to one of the churches, the church in Philippi, in Philippians 4, verses 10 to 13. He writes, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have, received your con- you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But we're being programmed to believe that a positive attitude is the answer to facing almost anything. It's all about how we see whatever situation we're facing. Just be positive. And this is no small battle. So many of the situations that we face push us to discontentment. We compare our lives with someone else's. We see what we don't have, not what we do have. We end up resenting people, looking down on ourselves, judging, criticizing, shaming, complaining, overlooking so much. Paul puts this all into perspective for us. He points to contentment. He was content when he was in a good place and he was content when he was in a bad place. And his bad place was usually a lot worse than ours will ever be. 
He was referring to something much deeper than an attitude. He saw that he had enough. In abundance, he had enough. In need, he had enough. The tank was always full. And that's a position, not an attitude. It's a position. Contentment is not dependent on circumstances in any way. So we shouldn't have to fight to have the right attitude. We are, we are already in as followers of Jesus, the right position. We'll talk about this another time in more detail. So our response is clear to this life hack. It's be content. And then we're given this tip. Let a life coach help you. Now, I will admit life coaches are a new thing in my lifetime. Life coach wasn't even a term for the first half or more of my life. The concept itself, not a bad thing at all. The help and support and guidance that you can get from a life coach can be invaluable. But there's one essential ingredient to the guidance that you receive that has to be there. This is what Jesus offers in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, something we've also looked at recently, where Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The most valuable guidance you can be given is to yoke yourself to the greatest life guide imaginable. Jesus invites us to take on his yoke and to find rest in him. The help that he offers us is far beyond anything that anyone else can offer us in life. In Jesus, we get our identity. He shows us and affirms for us our strengths and all that we have available to succeed at life. He has placed his spirit in us to guide our steps, to convict us when we stray, to stop us sometimes before we fall off of one of life's cliffs. The value he sees in us goes far beyond what anyone else can see. So this is where we go first for a life coach. Anyone else should point us back to him, back to Jesus every time, not simply encourage us to believe in ourselves. Two more life hacks to hack. This one is about movement in our lives. Keep moving forward and never look back. Now I absolutely agree that we should move forward in life. A life standing still and stagnant is no life but I have yet to experience any source that tells me what it means to move forward when most of our culture believes that we're simply moving towards death and the end of our existence. Maybe we're told that we need to just keep moving forward and we'll eventually meet our destination. So my question is, what destination? This is where the comparison of culture and kingdom leads me. The kingdom has a destination. God calls me home and shows me what the journey there looks like. I want to know that this journey is not in vain. I have to know that this doesn't just end in death. I cannot begin to tell you how grateful I am for the promises that God makes about Jesus' return in our future. In Philippians 3, 12 to 14, Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained this, he's talking about righteousness, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm moving forward. I may look back, but it's usually back at what Jesus did to make my destination a reality or at God's faithfulness in my life. Mostly my eyes are set on a redeemed world where the sun itself is replaced by God and he lights up the sky. My future includes a perfected world with a perfected me in it. I press on towards a day when I will be in God's presence forever. I'm driven by whatever God might have for me between now and then. It's gonna be worth my while to surrender my time, my ability, my resources, whatever, to his path for me right now. So my response to this is simply press on. And this leads us to our final life hack in response. Final life hack, let life move you. This is what I'm told on the website that I looked at to clarify this life hack. They say this, if you let your life guide you, it will shower you with its gifts and riches. You have to accept the life you are given and you have to learn to relax Allow it to let you move in the direction you are meant to go and you will find success. Our culture tells me that my life has its own natural flow and I'm to figure out what that flow is and go with it. But this was Paul's response to that that thought. In Acts chapter 17 verse 28, he used the phrase, in him we live and move and have our being. When Paul was in Athens sharing the good news about Jesus with the people there, he did a great job of meeting them where they were. He was really good at relating to people. They had some set beliefs, particularly about the the gods that they believed in. And so Paul spoke into those beliefs. He used a phrase that he borrowed probably from one of their poets. And he used that phrase to point them to the fact that God alone can move us and give us life. Paul wrote in Romans 8, 14, that those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. God moves us. And once again, how could we possibly compare God's ability to lead us and our own ability to move ourselves? Not a difficult decision to make. So our response is easy. Let God move you. In him we live and move and have our being. Not in ourselves, church. This list um, really sums up the principle behind this look at what culture offers us and what God offers us. Will we believe in ourselves or will we believe in God and what he can do in our lives? When things are good and when things are bad, where do we turn? So here's my life hack for you. These are the 10 things that we looked at. Number one, put your current situation in perspective. Number two, think about your death. Number three, don't trust yourself. Number four, talk with your creator. Number five, acknowledge who's got your back. Number six, put yourself on the cross. Number seven, be content. Number eight, yoke up. Number nine, press on. And number 10, let God move you. And that is my life hack lesson for today.
I'm going to invite the ushers to come up. I'm going to invite the ushers to come up and our worship team as well as we close our time together in worship this morning. Um, let's pray as they come and let's just offer this up to God for who he is and what he has to offer us. Let's pray. God, you are good, and this morning we're focused on you and what you have to offer us. And and we are being told by the world around us to believe in ourselves, to be gods in our own lives. And God, I ask that you would forgive us for any time in which we have put ourselves in your place. You believe in us. And that amazes me. But we've got to listen to Jesus when he says to us, believe in me, believe also in my Father. And so God, we declare our trust in you. We declare just how competent we believe you are. We declare that you are king, that you're on the throne We declare that we believe in you, that we believe in Jesus Christ, that we believe in your spirit who dwells in us. And we offer ourselves to you, to belong to you, to be owned by you, to be safely held in your hands. Take our lives, they're yours. And we do this because of who you are. You are God, and we are your children. And we trust you and believe in you and love you and are grateful for you in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.